are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note that the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. Hello and welcome to Where Your Treasure Is. We're continuing our series on giving with episode five. The last couple of episodes, we spent considerable time thinking about the best ways to give. And this has been specifically in relation to charitable giving. And while this is a really important aspect of giving, and one of the most important when it comes to both our response to what the Bible says about giving, and also how we steward our resources, it isn't the only way that we can or should give. So Bex, having decided to give, another factor then is who we choose to give to. So my question is, what comes first, the choice to give or the decision of who to give to? I was so convinced you were going to say the chicken or the egg. I knew I was luring you into a false sense of security. But no, we're going to talk about giving. Which comes first, the decision to give or who we give to? So in some respects, I think these two are iterative or cyclical in nature. Neither has to come first but both then follow each other, if that makes sense. So can you explain that in a bit more detail, Simon? Because surely one of them has to kickstart the other one. One of them does, but it doesn't matter which one it is. So let's say, for example, you start with the decision to give. Now that might be because you've never felt the call to give before, but you've now come to realise it's the right thing to do. Or it might be that you have come to this decision to be more deliberate in your giving. And so there are now two questions which follow that first decision to give. Question one, who am I going to give to? Question two, how much am I going to give them? So in the first example there, you're choosing to give first and then choosing who to give to and how much. As we're talking in this episode about who to give to, we'll be covering that second question of how much to give in the next episode. But you also said it could happen the other way around. Indeed. So it may be that some kind of association you have with an organization or an individual is what actually prompts you to give in the first place, not the other way around. You might have benefited from their ministry, the ministry of a church or the service of a charity. And so you want to support them in some way. You know the who, you now feel prompted to give. And the question then is, how much, or indeed how to give. And that really takes us back to our discussion in episode two about what to give, because it's not only money that we can give to support churches or charities, but we can give in lots of other ways as well. So whilst I feel compelled to want to ask that question about how much to give, we're not quite there yet. Why shouldn't there might be the next factor we consider instead of the who? So the who, who we give to, has a very big impact on that question of how much and and for a whole variety of reasons. Let's throw into the mix then the types of different individuals or organizations that we could give to and then we can discuss how each of them might impact our decision about how much to give. So we've already mentioned giving to church or giving to charity and I suppose that's where a lot of our listeners will be giving already. What other kind of recipients do we need to consider? Well, actually, the most common beneficiaries of our giving are neither churches nor charities. They're actually our own families. We give 
vast amounts of our money and our time and our effort and our resources into loving and caring for our families. And that needs to be taken into account when we consider who to give to in other ways. But isn't this kind of giving fundamentally different from giving to church or a charity? We don't make the same types of decisions about giving to family. We do it for completely different reasons. So true, Bex. So true. But I want you to consider something I'm going to call here the opportunity cost of giving. Is that phrase, the opportunity cost, something you've come across before? It's something that I've heard mentioned, but I wasn't entirely sure how to put that into words that made sense. So Google told me the opportunity cost of a choice is the value of the best alternative foregone where, given limited resources, a choice needs to be made between several mutually exclusive alternatives. Brilliant textbook definition. Well done. I'm going to focus on two little bits of that definition. The phrase limited resources and then mutually exclusive alternatives. This feels like it's going in a different direction to what I expected. And yet, Bex, this is the fundamental heart of so many of our giving decisions. I'm going to start with limited resources. I'm going to ask you a question, Bex. I want you to imagine that you are fabulously wealthy. I'm imagining it and it's looking pretty good. Okay. So, Bex, you have far more money than you could ever know what to do with. And then someone comes up to you, someone you know and you trust, you like the person, you respect them. And they ask you to give some of your fabulous wealth to a cause that you actually think is quite worthwhile. What might you do in that moment? Well, I would give them the money they asked for. I mean, if, like you say, I am fabulously wealthy and I have more money than I know what to do with, then of course I'm going to give it to that person. And we've spoken in the past about how giving away is actually very good for us personally. It makes us feel far better than just spending that money on ourselves when we've already got loads of stuff anyway. Okay, so then the very next day, someone else comes to you, asks you for money. Again, you trust them, you like them, it's for a good cause. What do you do now? Gonna write another check. I've got all the money in the world. Brilliant. So in this situation where you have unlimited resources, you could continue to give away indefinitely, no matter how many people ask you for money or even how much they asked you for. But to bring us back to reality, I am not in that situation, Simon. And I suspect that pretty much nobody is. Maybe the ultra, ultra wealthy could live that way. But the rest of us don't live with unlimited resources. We have limited, if not sometimes very limited, resources. So how is thinking about that relevant to today's discussion? For precisely that reason. Given that you, me, we all have limited resources, how does that change our approach to giving? If those same two people now approach you asking for donations to the same excellent causes, what might you do differently with this now more realistic, limited ability to give? Well, I suppose if I still want to give, I have to choose either between the two of them or divide the amount I can give between the two causes. And that's where we come to the second bit of the definition, several mutually exclusive alternatives. You can't give everything to everybody. So those two approaches that you suggested, very sensible, either you give to one and not the other, or you split the giving between the two. Now, I want you to consider how many individuals, organizations, or causes you have ever, during your lifetime, been approached by 
or asked to give money to. How many do you reckon there are, Bex? I mean, there must be hundreds. And the longer you live, the longer that list is going to get, right? Absolutely. I'm older than you. I've probably got thousands. Who knows? But the question then is, did you give money to all of them? No, I didn't. But probably for a whole variety of reasons. Some I didn't want to give to. Sometimes I had nothing to give. And some I'd already given to in the past and felt like maybe I should share my resources a bit. And have you ever given but then later on regretted that you'd given? Well, I'm not sure that I would admit to ever regretting being generous because I think that is something God wants us to do. But I suppose there are times when I've looked back and think that if I knew then what I knew now, I would have prioritised my giving differently. And that there is you working out the opportunity cost of giving. When you only have so much that you can physically give... When you give to one person or one cause, one church, one charity, then you can't give as much to others. Therefore, you have to choose who to give to and then, of course, as well, how much to give. But this whole conversation stemmed out of a comment about giving to family rather than giving to organisations. It did. And my point is this, when we give to family, and we certainly should give a whole lot of what we have to family, it means that we can't give to others. I'm certainly not saying it's wrong to give to family. The Bible is full of exhortations for us to care for our families, to provide for them. In fact, do you remember the occasion when Jesus rebukes the Pharisees about this topic? I do. It's something about them dedicating to God what they should have been using to honour their mothers and fathers. Yeah, it comes in Mark 7 and it highlights that we shouldn't be letting even good actions like generosity, although in their case it was more like religiosity, become more important than us actually caring for our families. So we have this issue where we might want to be generous, we might want to give more of our money and our time and our energy to good causes, and that might include the church. But we have to somehow balance this with our other responsibilities to family and to other causes we want to give to. What it comes down to then is not whether it is right to give or good to give to a certain cause, but whether it is the most important thing at that time for us to do. And how do we begin to go about choosing what the most important thing is? We have spoken in the past about having maybe a giving policy, a set of priorities or guidelines or rules about our individual giving, or perhaps our family giving. And I think that's a really good place to start. It doesn't have to be necessarily written down on paper or on a computer, but something you've thought about proactively. Now, individually, we will each have differences of opinions about how important different causes are. But in the heat of the moment, when someone is asking you to give, whether that's giving money or it's giving time or it's giving something else, having that policy in mind to fall back on is really helpful. So can you give us an example of the kind of things a giving policy might include or what we should think about when we're forming that? Absolutely. So I have two rough types of giving policy. One is for money and one is for time. I'm going to focus here on the who you're giving to rather than the how much, which is part of the process, but that's our next episode. So in terms of money, and that's possibly the easier one to nail down, uh, my family and I, we've chosen to give to the local church first. These are our first fruits. That's how we understand the biblical teaching. It's money that we've chosen to give away and which we then entrust to the leadership of our church to help grow God's kingdom. 
After that, we then support some Christian charities. And in fact, we only choose Christian charities to support on a regular basis. There are loads and loads of great causes out there. And the majority of the population, non-Christians, are more likely, in my opinion, and evidence seems to suggest this, to support charities that don't have a Christian ethos, just because that's more likely to align with their priorities. So as Christians, and this is our personal belief, we want to care for people in a way that introduces them to Jesus, which is more important than just the charitable or good work. And so we support charities that do this as part of their wider charitable work. And then after that, we then support individuals we know or who are raising funds for causes that are close to their heart, but aren't quite so important to us. So if that's your giving policy for money, what does that look like in terms of giving your time? Now, this one is less defined. But over the years, I've had to make some choices about how I spend my time. I'm sure we all do and have come up with something a bit like this. So God comes first. That's kind of obvious. But what it doesn't mean is that church comes first. So I spend some of my time maintaining my relationship with God before everything else, even before family. But family comes next. I need to spend enough time with my family, my wife, my kids to maintain healthy relationships with them. After that, I then choose to spend some time working. It sounds like an odd thing to want to do, but I need to generate an income to help support our giving choices, our family life. And I'm quite fortunate, I'm very blessed in the situation I'm in, that my work is also a bit of my ministry. Those kind of things overlap. Doesn't overlap for many people. But I've been through times when I was working just to make an income, and I chose to do that. It seemed to be the right thing to do. After that, I then commit time to serve in church-related activities, some of those on a Sunday morning or evening, some of those midweek. And I need to be careful to balance those with the other calls and priorities on my time. There are always opportunities to serve. And whenever I have to say no to one of them, it's because I can only give that time if I sacrificed it somewhere else. That's my opportunity cost. It's much easier to say no when you have this framework in place and you know that I can only say yes at the cost of something else. And I don't want to give up those commitments. And then finally, I will consider time helping with community groups or kids clubs or other charities. And whilst I see a lot of value in these, they're less important to me than God, family, work and church. I can definitely see how having a framework like that in place could be really helpful. At the moment, I am both single and I freelance. And I think sometimes that means people assume that I have loads of time to help them with whatever they deem really important to them. But ultimately, I still have the same time limitations as everyone else, even if they don't see it from that perspective. We still need time to sleep, eat, work, relax, refill our tanks and to focus on God. And I loved what you said about putting God first, because ultimately we can't give out and we can't serve God if our own tanks are empty with our relationship with him. And so it's really helpful to think about how we prioritize time and spend it on what's important to us. And after that, we can then give it to other causes as well. Our time is limited after all. And in some respects, our time is limited more so than our money because it's possible to make more money. But it's not possible to make more time or else I'm sure someone else would have found a 25th hour by now. All we can do is choose how we allocate the time we have. 
And so I wonder, Simon, if we could spend the last bit of our time today together considering the different ways in which we could give some of that time to causes or organisations. Let's do that. So as we are a faith and finance podcast, let's start with giving to the church. And there's loads of different ways we could give to the church. Not all of them will be right all the time. And we're not talking here about giving tax efficiently or about using gifted like we did in the last episode. We're talking about directing the giving to different parts of functions of the church. That's right. So I can think of maybe half a dozen different types of giving that would all be to the church, but would be very different in function. So surely we should just start with giving to the local church on a Sunday morning. I agree. That should be our first type of giving, into an offering basket or by making a regular bank transfer. And that's for the general running and maintenance of the church and its ministries. So things like paying for the building, the staff, the heating, the teas and coffees, all of that sort of stuff. And biscuits where appropriate, very important, I agree. Amen. But then, then we might decide to make gifts to a particular ministry within the church. Maybe you're serving on a team and you decide to buy some supplies or a bit of equipment, or you even choose to make a specific monetary gift to that ministry. And then there might be a particular church mission or outreach that needs funding, and you give money specifically to that. That might be a mission run by the local church or a mission partner that the church raises money for. And then you might decide to gift money to an individual or a team within the church who are going on mission. They're fundraising to raise the cost of the mission trip, or to buy supplies to take with them. And then there's church mission on a much bigger scale, national Christian charities who raise money year-round for all sorts of causes. And in each of these cases, we are giving to the church, but we're giving in different ways and to different causes. I think it's quite important to consider that there is still an opportunity cost of giving to any one part of the church. I'm sure there are many, many treasurers out there who struggle to make ends meet for the day-to-day running of their church, but then they have money sitting in another pot, a restricted giving account that's been ring-fenced for a specific cause, or even where generous and well-meaning members of the congregation top up the cost of running the church ministries from their own pockets, but without recognising maybe it's not the best way to give, or it doesn't help the church understand the actual cost of running its ministries. So even when we're giving to the church, we need to be deliberate about who we give to, as well as how we give, And of course, the how much we give question, which we'll get to next week. The same must also be true of giving to non-church charities then, whether Christian or not. Absolutely. We need to consider whether we give to local or national or international charities and causes. Do we give to Christian or non-Christian causes? Do we focus on health charities or environmental, educational, cultural, those that focus on sport and recreation, on animal welfare, on the young, on the disadvantaged, on the elderly, on family life, relationships, and the list just goes on and on and on. And realistically, all of these causes are likely to be a good cause. They're likely to improve society in some way, shape, or form. And so what we have to consider is whether it's the right cause for us personally to give to at that particular time with that particular money, Once again, remembering the opportunity cost that if we give to one, we can't give that money to another cause. Bex, I suspect we could keep digging and discussing this topic for a lot longer yet, but we do need to wrap things up. We do indeed. We've given quite a lot of time to this. Is there anything you want to leave us with before we close this episode? Let me summarise. I'd say that when it comes to deciding who to give to, we need to be deliberate. 
Think about what's most important to you and the kinds of causes that you want to give to. Prioritize those. And then you'll find it easy to say no when a request comes to give to other causes. Give effectively, by which I mean finding the giving partner that's going to turn your money into the most good. And finally, consider when to stop giving. You might be giving to a cause that you used to care about, but don't anymore. Be free to stop or redirect your giving of both money and time to where your heart and ultimately the Holy Spirit is leading you now. That's so helpful, Simon. I think it's so easy to kind of meander through life and make decisions on a one-to-one basis without maybe looking at the big picture of actually where is our time and money going long-term and ultimately listening to that prompting of the Holy Spirit. If you agree with that or if you have counterpoints that you want to bring, we would absolutely love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us in two ways. Simon, why don't you tell us about those ways? Well, you can send us an email at whereyourtreasureis at freerangepodcasting.co.uk or via Instagram at whereyourtreasureispodcast. How was that? You nailed it. And I just deflected having to give out the email address. Uh, We look forward to talking with you next time when we are looking at that question of how much to give. We'll see you then. Looking forward to it. See you soon, Bex. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go.